God, thank you so much for our church family. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. We love you and you choose out of kindness and grace and mercy to to love us first. Thank you for your presence in us. Thank you, God, for what is waiting for us in stillness, stillness and quiet, but also in our, our drives to work as we care for our children, as we go to bed after a long day. God, thank you that you're with us. Lord, as we talk about prayer and, and fasting, may we first just receive the truth that prayer and fasting is a reminder that you're here, that you love us, that you minister to us, that you teach us, that you grow us, that you sanctify us. And it's all for our well-being, but for your glory and for the sake of the world. Just thanks. Your character is unbelievable, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening. Uh, I'm glad you're listening. My name's Joshua. I'm a pastor here at Ethos, specifically in Hillsborough Village. Um, thank you. Uh, shout out Hillsborough Village family. I don't know why I said thank you, um, but if you don't know this <laughs> Everybody's already... Everybody's like, man... Hey, Thank you're you. Welcome. Yeah, yeah you're it's welcome. like we're pumped. We're, we're listening. Yeah, we're with you, Joshua. Um, if you don't know this, starting on January 31st, we are as a church entering into our annual season of a month of prayer and fasting. We call it Awaken. And um, who better to sit with and talk with about the season of fasting than the man that helped lead our church into this several years ago? Dave Clayton uh, is sitting right across from me. Dave, I'm honored you're here, and just thanks. Thanks for being here, dude. So pumped. Super, so pumped to be with you. Love yeah. you, man. Tell us a little bit, who are you, for those that don't know? Yeah, my, my wife, Sydney, and I, we've had the joy of getting to be with Ethos really since the beginning. We've uh, felt called by God with a group of friends to help start this church family, and we've served on the pastoral team here for 13 years, uh, now primarily at the cannery, but you know, we, we get to serve the whole church family in a variety of ways, and we have three boys, Micah, Jack, and Judah, and we also serve our Onward Church Planting family, and the Awaken family, which extends across the city and beyond. So, but our our heart and soul is right here with our ethos, our ethos people. So it's such a gift to get to serve this church. You couldn't have been much more succinct than you were. That was impressive. That you just named a whole lot of things, and maybe some other day we'll get to talk a lot about all those things. But what do you call your kid? Are they the sons of thunder? Do you have a nickname for so, them? Well, well, sons of thunder. You know that we stole from the scriptures and. Um, it's like, you know, we always laugh. Our house is just a noise tornado. You know, five extroverts, um, three of those are boys 11 and under. And mm. and so it's... Uh, new it's mercies every day. New mercy every day. <laughs> a new drywall every day. And new trips to the emergency room every day. And <laughs> and uh, it's just, man, it's a fun season. It's it's a it's an awesome, awesome season. I wake up uh, almost every day and just go, God, what a gift. Like, what a gift. You know, as with our family this morning at the breakfast table... And we were just thinking about our church family. And I'm like, man, most people don't have anything like this in their life. And this community we have, in fact, some of our neighbors came to the candlelight service with us recently. And I said, hey, what was your takeaway? And they said, we've never seen a huge group of people love each other like that in our life. And that was their observation of one crazy night of hundreds of people holding candles in a dark room. You know, they thought, you guys love each other. And I'm like, this is our normal, you know? Yeah. And so it's such a gift, man. Well, listen, I know that you do a lot for our church. Thank you. And also, in all sincerity, thanks for setting aside some time to talk to me, and I'm grateful. Such a, a joy, gift, man. Gift Such a church. joy. Okay, so I want to give us an overview. Here's what I want to talk about. First, I want to start with your personal journey um, with prayer and fasting, just to hear your story, Dave's story. And then secondly, this will be a pretty natural merging into how did that lead to 
Ethos Church, you know, going into seasons of prayer and fasting as a family. And then lastly, we'll, we'll touch on just, obviously, all of this comes from Scripture. Uh, this was not Dave's idea or, <laughs> or any church's idea. This was uh, found in Scripture. And so I want to hear from that. So let's start first with you, Dave Clayton. Um, before we get into, like, the last several years where this all started really churning in your heart, growing up, what was your understanding of fasting? Um, what did you like maybe about it? And, and also, what were you like, I don't love this about fasting? Yeah, honestly, you know, sorry, my voice cracked. Um, there we go. Honestly, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll edit that in the podcast and make it sound like really... Keep it. Uh, really tough and awesome. Right. Uh, honestly, I didn't have much of a journey at all in terms of I'd watch my parents fast, uh, which was, uh, looking back, I go, oh, that's a actually pretty cool experience, watching my parents take this seriously in their life. And in fact, I have uh, so many good memories of this. Um, when my parents would go through uh, significant seasons in their journey of faith, they would pray and fast together. Or when there was a huge transition for the church, they'd pray and fast. Uh, but as kids, we didn't really know what to do with it. And <laughs> I have this one memory. My dad was uh, fasting about a huge decision we had to make as a family. And so he'd sit at the dinner table, uh, and we'd be eating a meal every night, and he'd just be sitting there with a cup of water. And and something I really picked up from him was, you know, he'd say, hey, I'm, I'm fasting, you know, from food, but not from relationships, you know. And so <laughs> he's like, I'm going to be all in at dinner, and, you know, I'm going to be engaged in all these things. But, you know, we, we had no sympathy for him. And so I remember uh, one night uh, he was in the middle of a, a multi-day fast, and, and we had picked up fazolis, and we had those breadsticks, and... I was probably 12 or 13 years old, and we're praying, and I pick up one of those fazoli breadsticks, and I rub it on my dad's lip like a mustache, like just trying to tempt him, you know? <laughs> and I've so, never heard so, this story. Yeah, so that was like one of my first experiences with fasting, me trying to tempt my father to break a fast by rubbing a breadstick on his lip. And my boys love that story. In fact, uh, anytime I'm fasting now, at some point, they're going to stick a piece of food on my face because uh, they just think it's so Does funny. Does your dad know that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like he, his legacy. His legacy is carried on, but you know, my early experience was um, I saw it from a distance in the context of my family, but I never really thought about it uh, on on a personal level. And then when I got older, you know, kind of like high school, college, kind of early twenties, um, my experience with fasting uh, was kind of twofold. I thought it was optional, like, hey, this is just something super Christians do if they want to. I thought it was optional. And secondly, I really just saw it through the lens of being a burden. Like, hey, there's this really hard thing <laughs> that you could choose to do if you want to. And man, it is tough. You just kind of endure it. And then when you get through the other side, maybe God will do something great in your life. And, okay. and so uh, that was really kind of my story for a long time uh, until about eight or nine years ago. Uh, the Lord really began in, in, in some personal ways to shift that for Sydney and I, and then uh, began to, I think, call us to some things communally. Um, but that's where it started for me. Okay, so talk about that eight or nine years ago. What happens? What? Why Why the transformation? Why the change of heart, I guess, maybe, yeah, is yes, the way to put it? Yes, you know, it's kind of multifaceted one. I started uh, just being really convicted that um, my, prayer, my prayer life was not where I wanted it to be. And so I started um, looking at the way that God has moved in it, all throughout human history, and we could spend multiple podcasts on this, but all throughout human history, God would move in significant ways. And I just kept noticing, I wasn't even looking for it, but I just kept noticing so often, you know, the the kind of the ignition point, like where... As you were like learning about... As I was just studying about prayer and okay. revival and spiritual breakthrough, I just started seeing everywhere, oh my goodness, it started with 
handful of people praying and fasting and praying and fasting. And so it, it started on kind of that personal level um, as God was inviting us on a bit of a journey. And then it, it trickled over into an experiential level when our family started uh, we kind of went through this period, uh, some of you uh, were with Ethos when this happened, but we spent about two years traveling a whole lot as a family, working with church leaders in different nations, and we we kept entering into these spaces in Africa, in Europe, in Australia, in India, and over and over and over we'd show up in these spaces, and, and the believers there, they had this um, zeal, they had this uh, tenacity about their faith, they had this... Um, perseverance in the face of uh, a cultural moment that was much more challenging than what we're facing here in the West in a lot of ways. But um, what we saw was the zeal, and we started asking questions like, where's that coming from? And over and over and over in these contexts, people are saying, well, you know, as a church, we pray and fast, we do this. And I thought, whoa, okay, so what we had studied personally was now being revealed uh, experientially. And I think maybe one of the the most significant moments for us was when we landed in Kenya uh, six or seven years seven years ago. Uh, maybe we landed in Kenya for the first time, and we landed on the last day of a month long fast that their church churches go through every year. And we saw all of this joy in life in the church. And one day, Sydney and I were riding to the market with Carol, who's one of the founders of the church and just an amazing woman. We said, hey, what's kind of what's the secret sauce? And she said, there's no secret sauce, but one of the, the keys for us has been in our world. She's talking about in their Kenyan world. She says, our people are, are obsessed with self-fulfillment. That's the cultural narrative. And she said, we're, we're inviting them to follow a Messiah who is into self-denial. And she said, prayer and fasting has been a key for that. And I would say that was the moment where all of the puzzle pieces began to stick together for us. Uh, the personal study, the experiential moments. We saw what was happening in Kenya, and we we really sensed the Holy Spirit was saying, "Hey, there's more on the table for our church family." What did? Well, let me if, actually let me pause. You. I know I'm interrupting you. Oh, you're uh, good. I'm sorry, but what what did you see? Like, what made you curious uh, when you were in Kenya specifically? You're with Carol, and you're like, "Tell me what's going on." What were you noticing? I guess. Well, I mean, I, I could honestly list. 10 or 15 things, but one of the things that just immediately came to mind, you know, we were staying um, in the neighborhood with their family. They had three young kids at the time. And so we got to see their daily life as a family. And, you know, at the time their kids were um, 11 and nine, um, uh, 11-year-old daughter and then two nine-year-old twins. And these kids were waking up on their own at 5.30 or 6 o'clock every morning. And they'd spend an hour in the Word of God and um, they were doing some amazing things. And I thought, I have never seen kids this age on fire. I said, what's happening? And the comment they made was, oh, we just came off of a fast. Uh, oh, you and Marathi? No, our whole church, including our kids, have been fasting. And this spiritual hunger you see in them, I thought, oh, my goodness. And then, I, I love that origin. I love that you were in their home. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, man, just, just seeing there was this, there was this life there. It was like, what is going on, you know, with your kids, in your marriage, in your neighborhood? <laughs> you know, we're seeing all of this stuff. And and then, of course, in the church, you know, um, I could I could list a whole lot of things that were happening there. But um, that's what grabbed our attention was just their home life. And that's what led into, oh, yeah, we just came out of this season, and <laughs> here's what God's doing. And we thought, man, if, if that's on the table, we've seen this in Christian history, we see this in biblical history. Now we're seeing this experientially in their history. Wow, God, don't, do you have more for us? And 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 we sense that He did. And so, I'll we, see if I'll see if my memory has served me correct. But I, I think I remember when you got back. Did you 
did you and Sydney and your family, for lack of a better term, ex- experiment? But I, I don't mean that in like a test, right. like a testing way. But did you did you guys do this first? Like, what was it like once you got back to the states? What was your first kind of point of action? Yeah, you know, we really took about a year um, on just on that personal level to go, God, hey, would you drive this into our hearts? And so we we started within our family, and then we started inviting a few close friends, and then some people on the staff, and and we said, hey, we want to work this from the inside out, and. And so it really kind of started in a small way. And, and then I think our church became really familiar with it about a year later when we stepped into our first right. kind of, hey, let's let's pray and fast as a church. And we've learned a lot since then. But I remember I remember when you were staying on 13th Avenue when yep. you called me over and you were like, hey, I came I'm, over all night, all night prayer. Yeah, you didn't call me over at 6 p.m. or even 9 p.m. It was like 1130 p.m. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to pray through the whole night. And I remember like, one, that was really special just because, I mean, you're, you're my mentor, but also one of my best friends. And so that was sweet. But also like, seeing that I kind of got invited to something very private. Like, we're we're trying to really lean into the Lord within ourselves first. Now, what did it look like, I guess? How did God start cultivating the vision for the whole church? Why, why the church? Why would a church, other than obviously what you saw in, in Kenya, but as you started thinking about how to bring ethos into it, what were some of your vision, your hopes? What was the Holy Spirit doing in you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it it's back to man, if God is in this and if he's doing something significant, we want everybody we love to be in on it. Just simple. And, and, and so, uh, you know, if Sydney ever experienced something great, she wants me to be a part of it. She wants our kids to be a part of it, vice versa. And, you know, we look at ethos. We go, man, you know, these are these are our people. We we love, you know, we love this church so much. And, and uh, we really sensed that God was inviting us as a church family into some deeper waters. And... And we thought, man, let's let's do this, and and let's do this over the long haul. I think we, you know, realized. I think sometimes in our American context, we want fast results. We go, let's do something big, and then move on to the next thing. And for us, we've really thought, okay, God, what might you what might you produce in us if we do this for the next forty years together? Okay, I want to let's let's pause here with the church the church's journey, and then then we'll get into that's how this is rooted in scripture. But we've been doing this for is it six years? Yeah, I think I think we, we've done this six years as a church. Okay. Yeah. What I guess big picture, um, I think it's important we understand uh, fa- some of these spiritual practices are not li- they are for the right now, but really it's a life of doing these things that will just result in in really special growth. And you already mentioned our fast paced culture. What have you seen over six years? That maybe you have you didn't in our church family that maybe mm-hmm. you didn't see in the first two years, but you just knew if we'll just keep doing this, God will He will continue, I guess, to to water this seed or or whatever it would be. Yeah, well, a couple of things real quick. Let me let me define fasting because it's interesting. We now live live in a moment where lots of people are talking about fasting for different reasons. So when we're, you and I are talking about that, I'm talking about abstaining from food for a spiritual reason. It, you know, this isn't a diet. This isn't a like how do I how do I get you know my physical body reset you know although there's some really cool science behind all of it we're, we're going hey how do we abstain for food for a purpose and that purpose is c- connecting with God uh, more deeply and the moment you say that out loud especially in American context what you feel what I feel in my in my own being even though I've been doing this now for almost a decade is resistance. Mm. It's like Preach. Who, it's like who wants who wants to do that, you know? And I remember Sydney and I, uh, maybe our first or second year of marriage, I got this thing in the mail, where this guy said, "Hey, if you'll come listen to a sales presentation for an hour, you don't have to buy anything. We'll give you a bunch of gifts." And we're like, "Hey, we're gonna go and we're gonna get those free gifts," you know? And I'll never forget we showed up in this room 
and there was this salesman, and he, he made the statement. Um, he said, hey, listen, let me just state the obvious. He goes, I know that you drove here, and the whole time on the way here, you guys were talking with each other about how you're going to get out of here without buying anything. Absolutely. And he goes, you know that you don't want to buy anything, and you know that I'm going to try to sell you something. He goes, but I've got 30 minutes to try to convince you that all of your convictions are wrong, and I think I can do it. And I thought, man, that's a bold move. And I loved, I'm like, that's the best opening sales pitch ever. And I kid you not, that joker took our savings. Like, he, we literally bought stuff. I'm like, I can't believe we bought stuff. And and uh, That I, car ride home was not the same as the car ride to yeah, it. Yeah, it was so different, you know. But I, I often feel that way with fasting because a lot of times you sit down and whether it's across the coffee table or when I'm standing up sharing it with our church or even with a group of leaders, um, I know there's sometimes this like spiritual agreement, like, yeah, that's good. But there is this internal resistance that goes, yeah, but it's hard and it doesn't make sense. And I don't want to be the weird one at dinner that's not eating. Why in the world um, would I do that? So I think these conversations are really, really important. I think one of the things that I've seen over the years is that fasting is, it is, the long, it is about the long play. You know, so if you think about financially, if you put a little bit of money in a Roth IRA, you know, you don't expect to take the money out the next day and have a big return on an investment. But if you keep putting a little bit of money in, you know, over 15 or over 20 years, eventually there's this compound interest that comes your way that you go, oh my goodness, that's unbelievable. And and in a lot of ways, I think fasting is the same way. We uh, There's these seasons where we are um, putting more uh, in that spiritual deposit. You know, we're, we're just saying, hey God, we want to hear your voice again. We want to know your ways again. We want to we want you to do something. And sometimes you do see great breakthrough in that season. Like, so if you're fasting for a month or for a week or for a day, sometimes you see something in the moment. But a lot of times the spiritual reward actually comes in the downstream. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been one of the biggest shifts that I've seen. If you had asked me six years ago, hey, what do you expect after this first fast? I, I probably would have said, I expect, you know, in a month from now, this, 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 and this, and this. And, and the truth is, we see some great fruit every year during the fast and right after it, but typically the best stuff comes way down the pike. And so it's a season of plowing and planting more than it is a season of harvesting and feasting. And and honestly, I don't even know if you meant to do this. I do, I do appreciate that because it's so easy to, to feel pressure to, to have fruit produced and almost like you're the one producing it. If I try hard enough for this amount of time, something will come, but I do I remember even you sitting me down, I don't know if I was interning part-time, full-time, where I was at in my ethos staff journey. The but many I remember phases you, of your journey to ethos. Right. I remember you you telling me, the rhythms I, I want to invite you into, I, I want to help you do ministry for 50 years and not and not five. So start doing today what you hope you're doing once you have kids, once, you're, like, once your life has changed, like go ahead and get healthy rhythms now. And that really stuck out to me. And that's, that's shaping me to this day, like going, oh, do things that will help me run for a long time, not mm-hmm. super quick. And I, I think that really applies well to the fasting journey. Like, And so to anyone that goes, man, I did it once and just nothing happened and my head hurt and I hated it and so I'm, I'm kind of done, I, I think I would just encourage you a life of fasting. And even me, I, I feel like I haven't even gotten to like the moment to even teach this lesson. You're the one teaching it, but a lifetime of fasting will produce things from heaven like filled with the Holy Spirit that that maybe you can't imagine. Does that yeah. feel right? Oh, Did yeah. that make sense? Yeah, you know, so often just in the scriptures, I love how, you know, we're the people of God, we're referred to like oak trees, you know, and I think about how slow an oak tree grows, <laughs> you know. It's like I want I want the fruit of 
God to grow in me like a weed, you know, fast. You know, weeds grow overnight. It's like, oh, man, I just weeded the garden, and now it's filled with it again. Weeds grow fast, but they don't satisfy anybody, mm-hmm. you know. It's like all of the stuff that brings satisfaction grows slow, takes time. Come on. And so just that that long view of going, man, um, if, if I want to have a deep walk with God, a great marriage, if I want to be a great parent, if I want to be a great friend, if I want to make a difference in my culture, if I want to do, do something that leaves a legacy in the next generation, I'm probably not going to knock it out in 10 minutes or on a car ride home. Or It's, like, it's going to be a long journey in the same direction. Lots of time, lots of grace, lots of help from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's really the category that I think fasting falls in. Come on. As opposed to, hey, you do this thing and then you see this really cool outcome. I got one more thing and then I'm going to segue into Scripture. I want to I start talking about where we see this in Scripture. But uh, another thing that <laughs> you happen to tell me, um, thank you for your friendship, but you said we tend to, we can overestimate what can get done in a year, underestimate what can get done in 10. And so... Just more of those reminders. I think I'm just trying to help our listeners remember, like, trust the the long-haul journey of this. So that's good. So, all right, you, you've already referenced Scripture referring to us as oak oak trees. Let's talk about Scripture, because I know, I mean, I know that all of this is just rooted in the Word of God. So where do we see fasting in Scripture? Uh, where What encourages you to, like, hey, remember the gift of fasting? Like, what Scriptures do you go to? Just just talk me through the Bible and fasting. Yeah, you know, the short version, uh, somebody asked me the other day, like, why should we fast? And I, c- I can give you a really short sermon. But one is that Jesus himself fasted, you know, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. First thing that the Spirit of God leads him to do, Luke chapter 4, is to enter into a 40-day fast. So So Jesus modeled it. And Jesus also taught it. So in his most famous sermon ever, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you fast, not if you fast, (laughs) he goes, when you fast. And so we could actually wrap it up right there. And I could say, Jesus did it and Jesus commanded it. And so if you want to be a serious disciple of Jesus, that's all you need. You don't even have to understand it. Just do it because <laughs> he modeled it and he he commanded it. But um, but I, I would say there's a deeper level of understanding, you know that that maybe helps us move beyond just okay, just kind of rote level obedience, but truly really understanding the beauty beauty behind it. And what I would say is there's a lot of moments throughout Scripture where you see people fasting for significant purposes for for significant seasons, but. But I think the question that I'm most intrigued by is, what is it about fasting that opens a believer up to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life? Okay. And so how does fasting uniquely position us for God to do something new? Like, that's what fires me up. So we could go through Scripture and go, hey, here Moses fasted, and Joshua fasted, and Esther fasted, and David fasted, and Daniel fasted, and Nehemiah... Like, Just we could, icon after like, icon. Like, yeah. like, we could look through, and and, and that, I think that's pretty inspiring in a lot of ways, but... I like asking the question, okay, Jesus models and teaches what brings you flourishing in life and joy and strength. Okay, so what is it about this thing that puts you in that position? And there's so much we could talk about. I'll just give you a few. I don't know how much time we have. Go for it. Um, you know, but um, I think one of the ways is fasting. Fasting puts us in this place of abstaining, of learning to abstain. And when we learn how to abstain, we set ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to move again. And so here's what I mean by this. You know, at the base level, fasting is about letting go of something. How do we let go of something um, so that God can take hold of us again? And so we live in a world that's constantly saying, Joshua, you can have whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want right now. And I don't think we realize how 
how imprisoned we are to that buy it now button, <laughs> you know, to that to, to whatever we want right now. Like it, we get it, and so I would we, real quick. I would even say whether there may be selfishness in that, but there's also just like the neuroplasticity of your brain. If you really want to nerd out, like your brain gets used to the pattern of if I want it, I can have it soon. Right, and and I think that's actually significant because we go, hey, I can have it soon, and sometimes when we're moving like at this rate, we're just going fast, fast, fast. We have not even stopped to discern if we should. Mm. And so part of what hap- happens, you know, Jesus, Mark chapter 8, he says, anybody who wants to follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. If you want to find your life, you lose it. It's that upside-down world, that pattern of self-denial, right? And so part of the way that we enter into the journey of self-denial is by learning how to abstain in seasons from things so we can begin to check our hearts again okay. as to whether or not everything that's coming in should be coming in. So what I found in a fast, for instance, is I begin to pay attention to what I'm putting in my mouth because in a normal day, I don't really pay attention to that too much. You know, I eat a snack here, I grab something to drink here, I do this, I don't even think about it, you know. But in a season of fasting where all of a sudden I'm going, hey, let me pay attention to what I'm putting into my mouth. Two or three days into that fast, I start asking questions about what I'm putting into my soul. What am I putting into my mind? What am I taking into my ears? What am I taking in with my eyes? All of a sudden, as you begin to detox your stomach, you begin to detox your soul, and it happens in this place of abstaining. And so that's that's one of the spiritual, like, why does the Holy Spirit show up in a fast? Is because when you learn to abstain, it detoxes your soul again. He begins to recalibrate the taste buds of your soul for the things of God again. Um, and so I think there's this piece of abstaining. But the second piece well, is— Real quick, I've actually—this is really good. Um, I, I'd never thought about the—I've heard of, like, media fast um, on top of, like, food fasting, and I've never thought about it that way, the way you just captured it. Oh, what am I putting into my brain, and, and what's it doing? And let's press pause on— Netflix, on iPhone, on social media, so I can stop doing that. So maybe I'll be able to understand what was going in at first and then be open to what might replace it, I guess. And it's not that all that stuff's bad, but it's just asking. It's a fresh moment to go, hey, is everything that's taking up real estate in my heart and mind worthy of taking up real estate in my heart and mind? Got you. And so, you know, part of it's abstaining. I think that's one of the gifts you see in Scripture. Second one is just abiding. And so if abstaining is about what you're letting go of, abiding is about what you're taking hold of. And so if your only experience with fasting is about how do I give something up for a period of time, it's just going to be a really terrible diet. It's a, I've been it, there. It's a miserable diet. We've all been there. Like if you ever try to fast, you know, you go, oh, it's what am I giving up? And you just suffer. Um, so abiding is I've let something, uh, abstaining is I've let something go. Abiding is now I am making space for God. Mm. I'm making space for the Word. I'm making space for prayer. I'm making space for silence. I'm making space for solitude. So what I've found is there have been seasons where I've fasted, and I actually filled my schedule up so I wouldn't notice what was going on in my body. I tried to distract myself. And man, I robbed myself of, I robbed myself of what God was trying to do. Okay. And so, you know, I think one of the ways the Spirit empowers us, abstaining, and another one is abiding. A third one would be alignment. It's a, it's a season where God begins to realign our hearts. It's at Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. You know, search my heart, know me, test my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me. And so um, what happens in a season of fasting is is God proactively begins to look at our life, and he goes, hey, this motive is not in line with my heart. Hey, this action's not in line with my heart. 
your, your language is not whatever it is. You know, I was driving down the, the interstate the other day in my Jeep and I was going like 75 and all of a sudden my Jeep just starts doing this thing that is affectionately known as the death wobble. I mean, it just starts shaking like crazy. I almost hit the, almost hit the concrete median, almost wrecked into traffic. And what I didn't realize was I had something broken in my alignment and, wow. and that did not reveal itself until I hit a bump at high speed. And so often what happens is we are just cruising through life and we don't know that we're not in alignment with God. And then we hit some bump, you know, COVID was a big bump for all of us, but we hit some bump and it reveals that your marriage is broken or your relationships are broken or your finances are broken or whatever. And all of a sudden you get in the death wobble and you crash the car, you don't know what happened. But fasting proactively comes in and just assesses the vehicle of your life and goes, hey, you're not as aligned with God as you think you are. And the Holy Spirit goes, hey, this needs to go, or this needs to be added, or here's what's going on. And so there's the abstaining, there's abiding, there's alignment. I think a fourth one would just be, it's a season where you just ask God for what's on your heart. And so, you know, in Matthew 7, Jesus says, hey, you ask, you seek, you knock. And when you're in alignment with me, so that's the that's the prerequisite that you got to be aligned with God, but asking, seeking, and knocking that comes from a heart that's already aligned with God mm yields itself to the Father saying yes. And so every year, it's so much fun at the beginning of a fast. We have people that come up, and man, they're they're praying through big things in their life. And, and uh, they go, we don't know if we should pray about it. I go, this is the season to ask. You know, like abstain from what needs to be abstained from, abide with God, let Him do that work of alignment, but don't be scared to ask. And so every year, we come into a fast, and Sydney and I have a few things just on a personal level. We're going, God, we're asking you about this. We're at because we think you love us. We think it matters. And have you ever started with a question and ended with a different question? Oh, it, maybe every year, maybe every time. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's okay. You know, sometimes what happens is we come and we realize the desires of our heart were not the desires of His heart. Mm. Or sometimes we come we come out of it going, how come the desires of our heart seem to not yet have a response from you? Mm. That's okay too. You know, we know you love us. <laughs> you know, my kids ask me questions all the time that. They're not yet ready for the answer to. And I try and try and try to let them know that I love them despite, you know, me not giving them the answer they want. <laughs> they, they don't understand it yet. I'm trusting in 20 years they'll get it. And I think even more so with God. So, um, you know, it's, it's a place for us to ask, for us to be aligned, for us to abide, for us to abstain. I think one last thing that I would say is in Scripture, part of what happens is in a season of fasting, the Holy Spirit will activate us in ways mm. for new assignments, for new opportunities. You know, I'll give you so many examples. Acts chapter 13 is a really famous one where the Apostle Paul says, Paul and Barnabas, they're there with the church in Antioch. It says they're worshiping, praying, and fasting. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul, um, the ones that I have, I have a work for them. Set them. I've set them apart for this work. Now you send them into it. God had given Paul that assignment years earlier, uh, but it had laid dormant like a seed in his heart. Mm. And it wasn't until he was in a season of prayer and fasting that that seed was activated, that calling Whoa. was activated. And, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says that every one of us were created in Christ Jesus, his workmanship, his masterpiece. He's created us for great things, great works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Most of us never see the assignment because we never do the work of slowing down and saying, hey, God, would you remove the junk food? Would you help me to abide in you? Would you align my life? Would you, would you take my heart? And it's in this season of prayer and fasting. Every single year we see God give new callings to activate old callings. Every year 
there's somebody that has been doing some form of ministry, you know, in our church that was ready to quit and throw in the towel. And, and it was in the season of prayer and fasting that God reaffirmed the call for them, you know. And so um, it, to me, why do we do this? Well, Jesus models it and Jesus teaches it. I think the next layer, though, is going, okay, all throughout Scripture, look at how fasting puts us in a position for the Holy Spirit to activate something new. And that, that's what stirs me up. Come on. This is so good. And I've got, let's see, I'm trying to think. Let me ask you this first. There's a second episode of this whole conversation. I sit with my friends, Kyle and Laura, and we get very practical. Um, I don't want to be redundant, but I do. I want to hear from you. Like when you talked about alignment, especially, and I, I thought about like, I'm trying to picture you sitting with the Lord, you know, three weeks into to fasting or whatever. Where's a place for you when, when you're in your fasting season and, and, and you have set, you know, this is the way I'm trying to fast. And where's a place for you that you go to connect with the Lord on that one-on-one level that that's just a simple, like, it, is it in your Jeep before you go home? Like, where's your place, practically speaking, that you connect with God? Yeah, well, during a fast, I mean, because I do it in lots of different ways, but during a fast, I try to put several rhythms in place. And so I try to have four touch points in a day. When I'm in the middle of a fast, early morning, lunch, dinner, late night. And so I just go, hey, whether I'm fasting for a day or I'm fasting for a number of days or I'm fasting for a month, part of my rhythm is I'm going to put space in my calendar. And you can do this whether you are a mom with young kids. You can do this whether you're a college student. You can do this whether you're an accountant or a pastor. What I say is, you know, Find what works for you. And, you know, so so for me, um, it's looked very different in different seasons. Sometimes those four touch points could be 10 minutes apiece. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm not talking like three hours, you know. Um, in certain seasons, it's more significant. But but saying, hey, every every morning at this time, every day at this time, you know, I, here's what I'm going to be with God. And so typically what I do in those spaces is is I get out a journal, I get out a Bible, um, I, I sit in silence, I turn on some worship music. So I start with silence. I, I listen to some worship music. I spend some time letting the scripture speak to my heart. I typically have four questions that I, that I answer. Every single time I sit down in the scripture, what does this tell me about God? What does this passage tell me about God? What does it tell me about me? Like, what's God saying to me? What step of obedience do I need to take? And who am I going to tell this, uh, share this with today? Four questions every single time I sit down. And so I sit in silence, I worship, I get in the Word, I answer those questions, and then I begin to pray. Come on. And so there's uh, like all of that stuff, it just, it's like putting um, kindling on the fire that, you know, or building the fire. So it's like now I'm ready uh, to really seek God in, in prayer. And so that's, that's kind of what my rhythm looks like. And, and a lot of times when I pray, I journal. Um, if I don't have time to write it out, I, I bullet point it. So that way I can see what I'm talking with God about. And I can go back and recall, oh, man, God, you've answered this prayer this way. you know. Because I think a lot of times our prayerlessness stems from our forgetfulness. And so we forget where God has shown up in our prayers, and so we quit praying. But when you start taking note of all that God has done, it actually drives you back into the prayer closet. And so, mm. you know, we did this over uh, New Year's, uh, on New Year's Eve with our family. We sat down and we, as a family, said, hey, let's recount all of the the things that we remember in 2021 about prayers that God answered, big or small. It could be about anything. And all five of us, we just sat and shared. And I just took a list of it. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get carpal tunnel. I'm writing so much. And I've forgotten almost all of it. And our forgetfulness will fuel our prayerlessness. 
But when we choose to remember, man, it it stirs something up in us and it's it a put, little steroid shot sends yeah, you right into prayer. It, it, it pushes us back to God and both the gratitude and then also like hope and expectation. Hey God, would you do something? And and so and mm. and I stole that idea from one of my prayer heroes, a guy named George Mueller. Who his whole well most of his adult Christian life he kept a running tab of how many prayers God had answered, and up until the day he died, you know he could tell you God's answered X number of prayers that he knew of. Come on. And I thought, man, I want to be that kind of guy. I'm not there yet, but that's what I'm aiming at. To the person who you know hears this and goes, "All right, well clearly, this is out of my league. Like this just feels so far fetched." The thought of even when you said, "I'm not even talking about a long time. I'm saying just ten minutes," and they're like, 10 minutes." Mm-hmm. Man, I, I'm actually working toward 10 minutes. What would you tell someone that goes, uh, either they're brand new to fasting, uh, maybe they look around and they don't see a lot of discipline in their life, or they go, I, that's, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of person. I don't set goals. Like that, That's not even how I think. Or, or maybe the person that's tried fasting and it's... It's miserable. It's been hard, and <laughs> yeah. it's just like, I don't understand. I've never experienced. Could you just speak to that person that goes, look, I I believe fasting is a gift to Dave, but it's not a gift to me. What would you just encourage them in? Yeah, I would, I would say start really small. Start really small. Um, you know, so for you, maybe it's, I'm going to give up a snack every day. <laughs> and I'm going to give up that mid-morning snack or that mid-afternoon snack. And I'm going to set a timer in my phone for when I normally go get that mid-morning cup of coffee and a bagel or whatever it is. And I'm going to set aside that time, and I'm going to give myself to God. So, I would say start small, like start really small. Um, and even, and I and, would say even like, because with you, that's not small. Like that's that might be once you're you're going to mature or maybe like grow into a space. Where you're like, oh, I remember when I used to do that. That was so right. But what know. I mean, but what I mean by that is, I think sometimes we can have these grandiose visions of, man, I, I want to do something great for God, and so we actually rule yes. out the next right step. Mm. You know, it's like man, I, I'm going to give up this and do this and do this. And, and the reality is if you don't stick with it, it's not going to bless you. So I'd say I'd say pick something small. That's if you've good. never done this or if you've done it and it's been tough, pick something small, start small. Number two, I'd say, and then just stick with it. Um, it's about consistency, not intensity. And so I think God shows up in our consistency. And so it's amazing what happens if, you know, we're getting ready to enter into this as a, for a month. It would bless your life so much more if you would do something consistently for 30 days as opposed to doing something really tough for one or two days in the midst of the 30. Come on. So pick That's something good. that you can be consistent with. Start small, stick with it, you know. It's like and and then what I would say is as you're trying to weigh what you're gonna do, really ask God to show you your next step. It's great to learn from others. Ask your friends, ask your house church, ask your pastor, ask your roommate. You know, you're listening to people on these podcasts. Like all that stuff's helpful, but really just ask the Lord, hey, what's my next step? And and don't be surprised, he may stretch you. Um, there's also been seasons where the Lord has invited me to do something that actually felt like a step back from what I've done before. Like you know, the goal is not always to outdo yourself even. Come on. It's, hey, God, in this season, what would you have me do and why and how can I do it? How can I walk in obedience with you? And so that's what I would say is start small, stick with it, and ask God for your next step. It's not a comparison game. Man, I'm, I'm tempted to – I mean, I already have like three more questions for you, but to stay true to the plan for this pod um, – I'll cut us off right here. But Dave, thank you so much. And, and before I say goodbye to everybody, um, I want to go ahead and just preview uh, the second episode um, of our pod will be coming out in a few days. Um, I sit down with with Kyle and Laura, just two people that have been at Ethos Church for uh, several years. And 
Um, we just kind of talk about, hey, before you start a fast, what are some things you should be thinking about? There's three goals in that conversation. Uh, first is just to be open and honest about our past fasting experience uh, experiences. So um, the highs, the lows, why we love it, but also why we've maybe even almost hated it and, and how God has like grown us in that and what we've learned. Second, we're going to talk about setting the right expectations. Uh, oftentimes, what you expect out of fasting can really impact how your experience is. So, for example, if I expect day three of eating zero food, I'm going to just uh, just be taken away by the Holy Spirit. And it's Caught just up be in euphoria. Just, just heaven on earth. And then you're like, I didn't even make it to two o'clock on day one, you know? And so all of a sudden, oh, fasting's terrible and I failed. And all these lies can kind of creep in. So we'll talk about expectations. And then third, the physical mental, spiritual, and communal elements that really play a huge role in fasting. So um, it's aimed toward those that go, man, I'm new to this, or I'm frustrated by it, um, and I think it will really help you out. So tune into that second episode. Ethos Church, we love you. Uh, reminder, again, uh, in just a few days, January 31st, we start Awaken. Um, we can't wait to do this together, and uh, we'll see you next time. Love you.